And working capital is not only problem, it's really, do I have enough money that if somebody in my family gets sick, that I can take them to the doctors and I can pay for the treatment. And many of them do not have that luxury. So it's really rebalancing the whole aspect. On the podcast today, I'm talking to Genevieve, the CEO and founder of AgriLedger. AgriLedger are using blockchain to make sure that the supply chain within agriculture is traceable so that farmers get what they should be paid and it turns it into something quite entrepreneurial. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. Today's podcast is being recorded on the day it's actually going out due to me being a little bit disorganised yesterday and going to buy a sofa as well, taking a day impromptu. Uh, so, <laughs> how are you, Hayley? Yes, very well, thank you. It was very odd being in a shop yesterday, I have to admit. I haven't actually done anything like that yet. <laughs> I feel like it's a bit weird. I feel like I don't want to go out. I feel like it's going to be crazy. Well, it was DFS, so it wasn't crazy. It wasn't like, um, you know just a random shop it was dfs um but i tell you what was quite nice throughout the whole sofa buying process i sat in an armchair because since we moved house about four or five weeks ago i've had kitchen table chairs and uh a beanbag so i haven't had a nice sit down in quite a number of weeks so i just sat in an armchair very happy Oh, lovely. A blissful, I bet, when you've been sitting on those child oh, beanbags. <laughs> absolutely. Take, normally those things where you're like, oh, they've got to read out something else or you've got to sign something. Take your time. Take your time. Quite happy. Quite happy for this to be a slow sales process. <laughs> yeah. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> uh, thinking of other slightly um, slovenly activities, I've, I've just seen that apparently Britain's, um, uh, Britain's Just Eat orders nearly doubled in COVID lockdown with pizza, the most popular dish, followed by Chinese and Indian takeaways. Um, part of me wonders if I'm surprised or not. I mean, we can't, you're like, okay, the, the number of takeaways has doubled, but I suppose no one's going out to restaurants. So it's, yeah. it's possibly that they're not actually cooking less. They just have less choice of whether yeah. it's take in or, or, or dine out, take out or dine out. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like people are still treating their weekends as going out, but instead they'll be just going to the dining room with a takeaway. And letting someone else cook it. Pizza? Good choice is number one. I don't know. I like like a nice stone-baked oven, um, like, you know, stone-baked pizza, but I'm not really like a Domino's kind of girl like that. that No, no. That is is, is low-grade produce. Give me the option of (laughs) Papa John's or, or, or Domino's. I'll choose Papa John's every time. Sorry, I've just created a, a way into this this thing. Like I just said, Domino's and that, low-grade produce. But what's not? <laughs> is that good? Very true. That is very good. That is very good. All right. With that, we will slide seamlessly into the interview with AgriLedger CEO and founder, uh, Genevieve. Uh, I've probably pronounced that horribly wrong. I do every time. Apologies. Um, but Genevieve is amazing i met her several years ago at a conference in cambridge where i felt horribly out of my depth which we mentioned at the beginning of the interview but listen to this it is genuinely brilliant uh we'll be back with some commentary afterwards and then a little bit of tech news today i'm lucky to be joined uh by genevieve uh you are the ceo of agri ledger how are you today i'm great happy to have my date finally with you <laughs> yeah i feel bad you you've suggested that we should record a podcast i think we first met what two years ago maybe three years ago at at unbound london right 
Yes, but to, no, it was before Unbound London. We met about in November 2018. Uh, and that was before Unbound London. And we met at the uh, train station. Because I, I thought we met at Unbound London. And I, I remember we went to the blockchain conference at... Um... No, we, 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 we re-saw each other in Unbound London. And that was about a year later. But it's not your fault. I haven't been ready for my moment, as they say. <laughs> So look, before we get into anything else, do you want to explain who and what AgriLedger is? Sure, I would love to. So AgriLedger is a blockchain solution and really distributed ledger te- technology solution, which looks to empower uh, the producers. And what we did is that we started with farmers because when it comes to food, we all understand food. When I first came upon technology for me, it was Great technology, but how do I get mass adoption and comprehension of this technology? And at the end of the day, for us to be able, it's basically, if you want to live, you need to eat. And if you eat food, you're part of agriculture. So which Mm -hmm. then meant that through that message, you can then start looking at how it affects not only the producers, but also the consumers and being able to create that trust factor and removing the opacity of what we would call the supply chain and the value chain when it comes to food. So we have been dabbling in AgriLedger, I would say, for the last five years, but we finally came to um, what I would say the, the true moment when we won this call by the Haitian government for a project which was sponsored by the World Bank, where they asked us, to work with the smallholder farmers to allow them to maintain ownership of their goods further down the value chain to then be able to be participatory in a greater equitable share of the goods. So now it's really almost, you would say, uberization of um, the value chain in that there is somebody who needs to transport, there is somebody who needs to do packaging, but do they need to buy the goods from you if you pay them for the work they're doing and mm. what is being proven and well written by everyone from Gates, FAO and the World Bank is that most farmers take a discount of nearly 60% in order to get their goods sold because they know they can't get it all the way to market and prove that it was there. So instead, they take the cash right away because they don't know if you're going to come back with the cash. So what we do is not only do we trace the product, but we also allow for the payments to be bought back to the farmer. And what you are actually looking to open is traceability and also access to financial markets because now you can prove what your income is, which has been a problem for most smallholder farmers. So now mm-hmm. if I can say that I make 10000 a year and I can prove that I've done 10000 a year, I can go to the bank and say, I'd like to borrow 2000 versus before they couldn't even prove it. And the reality is that they had no guarantee of what they were going to do. So through the system, not only do we provide that, but we also look at this whole, you know, right now we're talking regenerative and all those things, but you actually start fostering the regenerative by allowing small production to be done and providing to those people the mechanism to actually be able to do a business. 
Okay, so here's here's a question. You you are using a tech platform to prove that mechanism, and it is working. But the language of technology and the language of agriculture are quite different. So when you're talking to um, your your farmers, um, especially this year where you are stuck in Jersey, uh, where you're where you're based, and the world has been shut down, and you can't roll your sleeves up in quite the same way and be there, how do you make sure that those small holding farmers uh, understand the system and make sure that they get the real value from it? The reality is no one even. Do you know how email works? You just go in, you send it, and somebody gets it. You really don't know the background of it, but you know that it got where it needed to be. So for them, the same thing is I bring my good and I get payment from it. And so they got their advance payment and then they received the check later. Of course, there were some issues in terms of liquidity, not so much liquidity, it's really uh, capacity in terms of delivering that cash, which are other issues that we need to deal with. But it's the proof is in the pudding. So for the farmer, he wants to get access to market. And once he's gotten that access to market, what he wants is his money. And if he's getting more than he would have normally gotten, he really doesn't care what the the application is in behind. And what we've said to them is also, they get a message telling them, you delivered 600. So here's the proof that from the system that you delivered 600. Your, Your goods have arrived the city. Your goods have arrived New York or Manhattan, wherever, Florida, your goods have been sold and you're getting that money. So it's messaging and communication. At the end, it's about communication and then having that money delivered to them. However, which I totally understand, but yesterday we so we had, we had a bit of a chat before we hit record yesterday and you were talking about the fact that some of the data had to be dumped because it was inaccurately entered so i suppose there is an element of I totally agree with you i don't know, I don't know how you know, i don't know how this mobile phone well actually no i know i know the basics of how a mobile phone call works but a lot of people don't know how a mobile phone call works they just accept that it does work but the farmers are having to put some data in and because it's a ledger there's an aspect there no no it was the farmers do not put the data in and it wasn't right. the farmers at fault it was the logistic service providers so that has meant right. that a lot of my time has also, and that was part of my stress this morning, of creating the um, videos, the documentation that they can learn from. And it's not the farmer. The farmer actually does almost nothing. It's the logistics okay. service provider. And also introducing more technology into the service logistics service provider we had fat fingers we had people putting things after they put it on paper so it's really that aspect that we have to deal with and from what happens to for those individuals they do not get paid for their services if it's not put in the blockchain there's a requirement that they have uh, at least some they know how to read and write mm-hmm. But fat fingers is not something that we can go against. Um, it the data that we put in in the summer. Obviously, I wasn't there, and I didn't have anybody with them. 
So it was difficult and it was a review thereafter. But in reality also, we ended up doing a big overall this overall of the system, which meant mm. that data, we just said, okay, this is not great data. It, it was correct, but part of the issues that some information, so the smart contract was supposed to do uh, penalties, but if you're putting it uh, two hours after the fact or 12 hours after the fact, we don't have a way of really telling that the time is because you're putting in the time that it has arrived. So all those automation were challenges. And what we learned from it was more training was needed, getting logistics service providers who had, and this wasn't me, this is really the Haitian government, now bringing in those third party who have a wish to actually work and prosper with the farmers rather than the incumbents who feel who, who who don't take into consideration the fact that they're creating a bigger pot, not just missing on the pot that exists already. And I suppose that still leads into the same question, which is, and you yeah. were saying there that you're having to create videos to educate to make sure that the, the, the you know the friction in the system was addressed. And you said that you know you couldn't be out there this year for obvious reasons with the pandemic, etc. Um, has it forced you to rethink a little bit around the education and 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 how people understand to use the system? Has has there been actually some some surprising upside because it's it's forced you to be a little bit more creative perhaps so, than, than just yes. going out and showing people in person? So I actually uh, use my nuggets <laughs> and I've been working with Consensus Academy. And last year they provide us, provided uh, Haiti with 10 uh, scholarships for their bootcamp, their blockchain bootcamp, obviously teaching solidity, but really getting these young women to understand blockchain technology. We also did the program for 10 women in South Africa. It was so well. Uh, received that they've now provided us with 20 new scholarships. And next year, we will actually start the classes earlier. And also, the approach that we had was not just to say, okay, you're doing the boot camp. We gave uh, my partner in Haiti, uh, which is uh, this woman's fabul fabulous woman who is running a company called Gekka, Joanne. Joanne actually bought in. AML, communication coach, and all of those to sit with them, gave them professional emails. And we continue to really work with them to actually have them understand what it is like to work in a business environment. And they become, you know, I may not get all 10, but if I get two of them now to work with the organization in Haiti, this is how I actually get the people in the country to own it and also be my eyes and ears to actually be able to advance things. So you have to sort of get the individuals to own it. I can't own it myself and I have to bring that. And it's a long-term long -term play. It means that they will sit down with the users and walk them through. Um, what we have designed is actually very easy that doesn't mean that most people 
are as familiar. Once you do it twice, you get it becomes easier. But if you have someone who speaks your language, which is local to you, that you can ask those questions and understands at least a bit about blockchain, then you can help them. So look, you, you mentioned uh, yesterday again uh, that the average age of a farmer is 58 years old. And whilst you're making great strides with the community that you're working with, um, that is an aging workforce um, and it is difficult to attract younger people into the profession. What what can we do to try and make sure that there are people to carry on the good work of what's going on? Um, I think that it's really giving. So one of the things that we're doing with this is we are creating entrepreneurs out of the producers, the farmers, in that they need to know what quality is all about in order to get access to markets. So if you produce junk, it's not going to, you're not going to make money from that. Once we create this, uh, this machine in ways, you can then see young people, because what happens is those older people have children themselves but they encourage them to go into the city to go do technology or go do law or do accounting because that's the only way they're going to be assured a good income. But if you now can make where agriculture is also a viable profession, parents won't be telling their children, you should leave the farm. And because usually what they'll do, they'll leave the farm and then come back if a parent is sick or if they're at the age of retirement, and that's when they actually get into the farm. And that's not just Haiti. This is global. Even in the UK, the average age is 58. And that doesn't mean there isn't a lot of people who want to do that. And then the other thing is small farms don't always make you money. We, you know, and if we look at investments that happen in the farming, you know, it's a green sill which just went down is a big issue, but green sill was this huge farming conglomerate, and that's where people put money into. Mm -hmm. They don't put in a smallholder farmer. The farmers in, in the UK, in the north of the UK, have an issue getting their working capital. And working capital is not only problem, it's really, do I have enough money that if somebody in my family gets sick, that I can take them to the doctors and I can pay for the treatment? And many of them do not have that luxury. So it's really rebalancing the whole aspect and removing those individuals. So I'm going to be very interested to see what happens after the pandemic, because before the pandemic, if you bought, let's say, fish from Norway, you and you were a supermarket, you actually had your people go and inspect the farm. So a lot of money was spent going to Africa, going to Norway, going to different places to inspect those faraway places which were supplying the food. So how do you now, after you're not done this, and how do you bring that back in? And from a cost perspective, is it really a necessary cost? So you, you touch on fish there. We've obviously been speaking about farmers in in uh, Haiti, um, but 40% of the fish in the world is mislabeled. What can your platform and system perhaps do to tackle some of these other issues of which there are many globally and expand from the success that you've had with the Haitian government and farmers there? So we have actually looked at the fish and what I'd like to say is I don't look at, I'm not looking at the details, but rather at the 
um, you would almost call the metadata. What are the important information that you need to track? So provenance is one thing. So this fish says that it is uh, tuna from Japan. And you can show the chain of custody. So as it moves forward, so the first time it's tagged, it is validated by the system and someone else to say, yes, it is tuna from, from Japan. And you start tracking it with a, both of location and also uh, its trip. The fact that it has had the right temperature and all those things. So by the time it comes in, you may be paying a premium as a restaurant for it, but you are guaranteed and you can have visibility as, as the whole thing. So the article we were speaking about talked about that, yes, there was fraudulence aspect, but some of it also was because th there was this opacity in the market, in the supply chain, so that you didn't know when things happen or people didn't have the knowledge enough to actually say, this is what it is and being able to label it. Also, they said, you know, sometimes people get tilapia instead of, uh, let's say, snapper. Kind of tastes the same. You don't know that on the plate. But it's the onus, and it becomes that whole idea of being able, if the system is available to check it, we will check it. Now, what that also means is that, and this is why I try to talk in simple terms, people have to get their heads around it and see the benefit of it. Because the bad thing, I don't know anyone who would want to have food poisoning from fish because that can be pretty ugly. Mm. You're really in excruciating pain at that point. So if we can limit that by creating that trust factor and we can remove, we can actually show the chain of custody the same way it's done in, like I say, if there is a, uh, a, a raid and you have guns, the government goes through the process. So it's a regulatory check and balance. And then it doesn't mean that it always has to be checked. But the fact that you know it's there allows you to make uh, those decisions and also to validate the decision that you're making. Look, it's been super interesting to talk to you today. Obviously, this is something that is... Uh needed to be talked about i mean world earth day is on the 22nd of april i imagine that we might look to release this podcast sometime around then uh yeah. but recording at the minute towards the back end of march and um yeah hopefully it's not just those kind of days that these conversations are had and, and they do become more and more frequent so i really appreciate you giving up some time really appreciate you taking some time to talk us through what agri ledger are doing thank you david it was such a pleasure right so traceability, I mean, Christ, we're track and trace. There's, there's a phrase that we've talked about a lot, but this is traceability that we can all get on board with as working because it had never really occurred to me that farmers have to discount and sell their produce so high up the supply chain and that they, they can, then can't really prove what they earn. And yeah, I, I, it just it's such a simple solution, but giving transparency to a process and making sure that people, uh, farmers in this case, earn a, a decent and fair living. Yeah, definitely. I was actually quite shocked about the whole visibility side of it and that, that people don't really know what's going on because especially if you are like a business owner or, or even like a consumer, you just still want to know what's going on and you want a clear view of it all. So 
I mean, I'm surprised it's taken this long to, to do that, aren't you? In this day, it is a bit. I mean, I, I suppose I am and I'm not because what you've got here is an application of blockchain, um, yeah. and perhaps without that digital ledger, you know, the fat fingers and the paperwork comment. Yeah, uh, true. It's very hard to have done this, especially where you know you're dealing with a population that perhaps isn't the most literate. Um, and where keeping records is perhaps not so easy or access to technology might not be as easy. So now that blockchain is easier to access and you can make sure that people can get online, can make these records, can then all of a sudden this becomes possible. Um, and especially in a country like Haiti, I mean, you could argue that perhaps uh, in the UK, slightly different picture, but for Haiti yeah. and for for uh, smallholder farmers in that country, you know, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant scheme and and can make a real difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I thought it was amazing as soon as she mentioned about um, like the scholarships for women learning the technologies. I was like, yes, this is great. <laughs> it's so good. It's so important to be doing that and um, and offering that sort of thing. Um, and it's just it's creating opportunities and, you know, I know they mentioned about it being an aging workforce as well. But actually, where, where it's not, where it is a little bit technical now, I mean, I feel like that even in itself, um, before I know she mentioned making entrepreneurs, but just like the fact that, that tech is involved in it now, I think that that will encourage more people. Yeah, absolutely. More, young, more of a younger generation. And that's a that's a key point. Um, that younger generation piece. I mean, she talks about the fact that, that the average age of farmers. Uh, I think I'm not sure whether it's the average age of farmers worldwide or in the UK. I think it's in the UK is 58. But small farms don't earn you money, and 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 this was turning people into entrepreneurs, which would attract a slightly different demographic into the industry. And the fact, you know, parents traditionally say leave the farm. That's entirely true. If you think about rural areas, they are generally emptying out of people who. Are from that area they become kind of honey traps for um for kind of like uh little bespoke b&b style staycation cottages and and second yeah. home areas but not actually people who work and live there in quite the same way that they might have done traditionally yeah no absolutely actually that's actually true because i'm thinking like i actually stayed in like some like farmy thing last year they probably converted into like a sheet type thing right yeah, like when I think about it, it's true. Like, this would have been it was it was quite old. It would have been used like for work purposes previously, yeah. and and like I say, it's moved over to the old Airbnb technology instead now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How things change. It's craziness. I mean, I, I grew up going to to Fran to um, rural France on holiday. My mum and dad had got a cottage in the middle of nowhere in rural France. Very small, modest thing, but um. It was a brilliant place to go on holiday, but it was it was an area of an increasingly aging population because all of the kids left for the cities. That's what I mean. Everyone leaves leaves for the cities now. Social media for the younger generation, they want to have like this fake. Um, uh, I mean, people advertise their life like they've got this high rolling job, but actually, in reality, it's probably not um, because Instagram just. Pers- um, shows everything on through rose tinted glasses mm. so it, yeah i think everyone's looking at that's the, the thing with the younger generation is it's enticing them into something more traditional it's really difficult unless it's like really really bred into them from a young age but here it becomes sexy entrepreneurial yeah cool to exactly. own your own business living on the land 
And yeah. it's tapping into a couple of things, right? So when I was listening to this, it did kind of strike me that the fact that actually what what um, Genevieve and, uh, and Agri Ledger are doing is they're creating transparency. Uh, and when she talks about, you know, do you know how email works? That kind of strikes yeah. at that consumer culture piece. We don't really care, generally speaking, how we get what we get. We just want it. Yeah. But technology can make all of this transparent. And you're saying there about kind of, the, the the image well think about cowspiracy and now seaspiracy and how mm. vogue and on trend it is that people are beginning to become aware of where what they what they consume is coming from actually sustainable farming um you know uh and that 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 style of 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 sustainable living is becoming um far more vogue and far more trendy and actually we might find that an entrepreneurial farm where it's kind of carbon negative and sustainable and yeah. on trend might actually be a, a very kind of hipsterish thing for someone to go into who knows which yeah, wouldn't be a bad definitely. thing no exactly and i think that that's that's a brilliant idea dave we what we need <laughs> is we need we need we need the the instagram-esque farmer advocating a sustainable carbon negative life that's exactly it though and i'm sure there probably is people doing this but i think like you say now these things are like oh, that come out the documentaries that are kind of go viral online um yeah. it will just start to encourage more and more of it someone might be doing it already but they're not advertising it as much because they didn't really know that people yeah. cared that much people weren't aware it's so hard for yeah. one person or two like a few people to spread awareness but when it's you know shown to the whole world and everyone's talking about it um it globally, raises an issue yeah, exactly. It raises so, the awareness of an issue. But here, technology is making it transparent, is making you know how that supply chain works. Yeah. Um, and and all of a sudden, you can kind of go, all right, well, hang on a minute. Um, is it fair? Are people getting paid the right way? Is it sustainable? Is it X, Y, and Z? And, and, and it's brilliant. Um, yeah, and when she said about the... Um, knowing exactly where your produce is coming from that is something mm. that consumers is in, in fact are even super concerned about now so it's yeah, just so good yeah. exactly so someone who you know i think that that's brilliant and like just goes back to your point just then to be honest with you but yeah i just i loved it when she said that i thought that's amazing <laughs> I think that we'll wrap it up there. We'll take it to a quick advert break. And when we come back, we will be talking about the fact that Apple and Google have stuffed up the government's plans for an app upgrade. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, so Apple and Google, to be fair, Apple and Google haven't really stuffed up plans um, in so much as the NHS app was due to be updated just before the English lockdown eased, but then the firms objected to the data sharing changes, uh, and now they've gone and uh, blocked the app, which is just, 
you just kind of go, Christ, why can't why can't we get this right? The amount of money that has been spent on track and tracing and it just hasn't really worked. It's why? So why is it like, come on, how can we not get this right? Especially as bars and pubs and restaurants open back up, actually this is when the app and, and scanning is gonna become back is gonna come back into its own because we're gonna want to make sure that you can you can trace any particular rising cases. Oh, I mean, I don't really understand how that how that's how that went so wrong. It's it's a nightmare because when you actually look at the numbers that go with it as well, it's like, oh god, that should have been it should have gone right. But I think you know it's first time that this has ever happened. I know that it's painful, but I think maybe second time round, lucky. <laughs> Well, it seems to be just kind of treading over the same issues that they've 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 um, stepped on in the past with regards to falling foul of talking to Silicon Valley giants and realizing that you know you can't. We've tried to build this app um, independently and making changes to it without really consulting with the industry. And and I suppose it's that big thing yeah. of you know technologies technology is so interconnected that it's like it's all very well that you might want to do it in a particular way, but they have to collaborate. They have to talk to each other. Uh, and yeah. Apple and Google, you know, or, the, or your delivery mechanisms, everyone's either got an Android or an Apple phone. So why have they not thought about this? It's just so short-sighted. Does beg the point though, excited that everything is opening up again. It was lovely. Yesterday I walked through our village and the local tea rooms had tables outside shops. Barbers were open again, although you wouldn't know it by the state of my hair at the minute. Um, it is nice that there are the opportunities for people to get out and see people. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's lovely. It's a shame it was snowing yesterday, but you I know, know, mental. No, nothing stops anyone here. <laughs> get, your, <laughs> get your woolly hat on and get down the pub in the garden. <laughs> Oh, it is you know. mental. Like the, the, the 12th of April, and I looked out and I was like, literally, we are 20 miles from the south coast here, like 60 miles from France. And it's like, it's the 12th of April and it's snowing. Like my mum and dad had proper snow. I get that. They live up in the hills in Northumberland. But what the hell is it doing snowing down here? Yeah. Mad. I know. Mad. I, we actually had a morning call um, with the, like our team and the people who were in Nottingham had blue skies behind them. And then down here, it was thick snow coming down. I was like, this is odd. <laughs> the wrong way round. Needs to rotate. Pro- probably uh, a good reason to move away from mass conglomerates that are eating up the environment and move to sustainable small holding farms. Anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, exactly. There we go. Right, Hayley, thanks for your time today. Uh, and we'll be back on Friday. Give you the